0: morning, church. Morning. I do how to fix that. Um. Well, today is Mother's Day, right? Right? And I just want to celebrate our mothers. I tell you, I don't think, I, I think all through the year, we should celebrate our mothers probably about once, probably once every two or three months, right? Not my wife, if she was in here, she said amen, because she likes getting presents. But we should celebrate our mothers because... I don't think you realize how much of an impact your mother had on you until you get to be an adult, right? I thought I thank God for my mom because she, she just instilled in me things that I would have not known how to do without her. When Sabrina and I got married, the first thing, right, we got married, we were married two weeks, and I was like, I was used to my mom spoiling me, right? She would iron my clothes every day. I'm talking, you could... Shave your face with this ridge she put down my blue jeans. My wife didn't know what an iron board looked like. She said, we put our stuff in the dryer. I was like, I should, you should have told me this before we got married because this might have changed things. But, you know, my mom spoiled me, and I'm so thankful for my mother, not for the things she'd done for me, but for the things she invested in me. And so we all, I'm so thankful for our mothers here. Um, if, you, at least if you will, let's give our moms a hand clap and just say thank you for what you're doing. And on the heels of that is, um, if you're here today, you want to take a, your mom's with you. You want to take a picture with your mother. Um, we have a photo booth. When I mean, you go right out, uh, right out of the uh, lunchroom, take a right. There's a backdrop. And if any of y'all know what a Polaroid camera is, we're gonna go. We're going retro this Mother's Day. So we're gonna take in a picture, picture with um, a Polaroid camera. You get, you'll get a copy right then that you can take home with you, put on your refrigerator to remember the special day with your mom. And so, I got a couple more announcements, and then we'll jump right on into the message. Is uh, last week we talked about VBS? That's going to be June 11th through the 15th, 6:30 um, through 8:30. And something we're doing cool this year is is VBS through our church is a little different. Is we use it for an outreach tool more than anything to reach the kids around us. And so we we started it on on Monday and it ends on Friday. And Friday night is going to be a movie night where we're going to encourage not only the kids, but their parents to come, and let's hang out, watch a movie together. That way we can get a chance to get to know the kids' parents as well. So y'all, please plan to come. Um, And this is so important because nobody signed up for VBS last week. So if y'all don't know, if we don't know who's coming, we don't know what to buy, please sign up, sign your kids up, sign your neighbor's kids up, sign your grand young'uns up. Y'all sign up and bring your kids. Amen? All right, that means you're going to do it. Um, and if you want to sign up, then you can sign up at Next Steps um, as you go out the door. Um, and you can register your kids at, at the KK Check-In. And so um, the other thing is we, we just got done um, a couple weeks ago with Service Day, and, man, we got to do all kind of cool things in our community. And what I love about it is, is I think we think serving our community means we got to go build somebody a, a ramp or we got to build something. But there's, I love how creative you guys are because a lot of you guys went and, and, and served a meal some of you guys went and just spent time with other people I mean it was it, y'all investing in the lives of people and I love what what God done through you guys and through that and so I just want to I mean serving is something that we take for granted that we do when we have time right and it should be a part of our lifestyle everything we do we should be it should be all about serving the lord amen look guys I know that it's maybe a little hot in here okay but y'all got y'all got to be awake because y'all going to make me stop. I'm going to start tapping y'all. If I see you dozing, I'm coming to you. You with me, James? All right, I'm going to come and get you. Just the, the glare, man. I'm sorry. Uh, and then the last thing is I'm excited is next weekend is uh, Dallas and Jenner's last weekend. And we get a chance to celebrate uh, what God's done here. But also something special is we get to celebrate baptism as well. So we're going to be doing baptism next Sunday. It's gonna be a busy day, but if if you um, if you find yourself this morning, you haven't you've been saved, but you haven't taken that next step of, of being baptized, um, then that then maybe, please sign up, please get next steps, talk to Sam, talk to me, anybody in a blue shirt can point you in that direction. If you found yourself where you've gotten saved. As, and since you were a kid, and you went through all that when you were a kid, but it didn't mean anything much, and you get saved later in life, maybe it's time for you to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. If that's something that, that you feel like God's telling you you need to do, then we would love to talk to you about that as well. So um, I'm excited about next weekend. I, I was picking with Dallas. I was like, last day here, Bo, you doing the dunking. And he was like, why well, I got to do that? We were cutting up, but we're probably going to do rock, paper, scissors. But anyway, um, So, without further ado, let's pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your love and your compassion toward us, God. We thank you for your mercy, and uh, God, we thank you for your grace. Father, we pray today as we um, just dive into your Word, we pray, God, that you would speak in a powerful way like only your Word can do. We pray, God, that you would, uh, Lord, speak into us wherever we are. And then, God, that we would be people that are obedient and we... Act and we move on what you say. Lord, I pray, Father, that that you would just touch us and heal our brokenness. God, you would heal our pain. God, you would heal our suffering. That we have been so many people walk in and out of church every single Sunday carrying the same burden that they can't brought to church with them. And I pray, God, that we would be, uh, today we would let those burdens go and we would leave them at your feet. And, God, we would leave here relieved. Your word says that bring all your burdens to me. Because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I pray, God, that we would bring those things to you this morning. And, God, you would speak. And, God, we would feel a supernatural release from the burdens that we've been carrying. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, so this whole series, this broken series we've been going through, is it, has been about how God has been using broken people in spite of their brokenness, I guess you could say. And I don't know if you know it, but we're, we're all jacked up, right? We've all got issues. So Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you jacked up. Come on. Come on. It's participation time. Look at your neighbor and say, you jacked up. Come on, Kyle. It's per- you, you told her? All right, all right. You, you told her before church? You told her oh, both? All right. But I think when we, we, we start this walk, and I think we feel like we get so uh, we, we have arrived at a certain time, or we we don't struggle with this as much. And, and then, we, if you're not careful, we start looking down at other people, looking down at other people's sin. And it's always a battle, right? It's always going to be something going on. And I think what we have to realize is there's always something that's trying to keep us from growing closer to Christ. That's why it's so important that we're hungry for God, and we want more of him. We're not satisfied with where we are. We want more, we want more, we want more of Jesus. Amen? And so if we're not careful, what happens is the world will come in and it will fill us with all this other junk, and then we won't desire God at all. And a lot of times that junk is it feeds into things that we're broken at, tendencies, emotions, and next thing you know, we're running on how we feel instead of what God has said. And so what, what God has really been moving in, in this through, in the hope in this whole series has been trying to make us realize the tendencies that we have The the things that we're bent toward, the things that we hold as a crutch, and and we're, we're justifying our sin instead of giving those things to God and realizing that we're broken. And to realize that you're broken is not good enough is to reach out to Christ and say, heal my brokenness, amen? Fix me, fix me. And a lot of times we want to realize that we're broken, but we don't want to get fixed because being fixed means you can't complain about that stuff anymore. <laughs> Being fixed means that, that there's, you know, sometimes there's a pain and a process through getting fixed. And we have to allow God to fix us and mold us and allow us to let go of things that don't, for that don't hold us down anymore. And that's my heart for you guys today. And as I've been preparing, I've been reading, I've been studying, I've been begging, I've been pleading, and then we are here this morning. So we're going to see what God says in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to talk about a man named Elijah, and I love this man. He's, he's like, when I, when I think about him in the Bible, he's like a superstar, right? I mean, he was used by God in a mighty way. I mean, back in, in, verse, in chapter 17, God came to Elijah, and he says, Look, the kingdom of, of Israel is corrupt right now because they have some corrupt leaders, Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel was a very wicked woman. And and Ahab was a spineless man, and so he was allowing Jezebel to to dictate him and to use him. And they did a lot of of evil things, and God didn't like that. So he was casting judgment on the people, and when he went to cast judgment on the people, he sent Elijah there. And when he got there, he told him that, hey, it's not going to rain, okay? It's not going to rain until I say it's not going to rain. Let me tell you, that's boldness right there, baby. That's confidence in God. He had confidence in God. He said, look, God says it's not going to rain, and I'm not going to tell you when it's going to rain, but until you see me again, that's when it's going to rain. And he, and God told him to go somewhere and hide. So Elijah goes, and, and God uses this whole time to prepare him for the, Elijah would be dependent upon him, right? So he goes to, um, to this valley where God sit down, and, and he's, he's drinking water from the brook, and ravens, birds, bring him food. That's dependence upon God. Are you with me? How many of us would just be sitting there on a rock waiting on God to bring me some bread by a bird? That takes faith right there. He's waiting on God. And he learns how to be dependent upon God. And so you see him building up Elijah's confidence through experience with God. And as he's walking through that, God says, all right, the, the brook's dried up. Now go to, go to this town, and there's a widow out there. And when you see this widow... Tell her, who, tell her who you are, and she's going she's gonna to just su- supply everything you need. So he sees this widow outside of town picking up sticks, and when he sees her, he says, hey, will you go fix me some, something to drink? She, and so she turns around to go do that, and he said, hey, while you're at it, bake me some bread. And she said, look, I can't do that. I'm out here picking up these sticks to make a fire, to make the little, one, one last piece of bread for me and my son to eat, Then we're going to die because we're out of everything. He says, have faith, don't worry. Go make, go make the bread for for me. And God's gonna supply. And from that moment on, it, it didn't run out of She didn't run out of bread, she didn't run out of oil, and it supplied her every single need while Elijah was there in her house. And so God was using all these things to, to build Elijah's confidence. And then he says, All right, now it's time to go back. So he, Elijah goes back. It's time to bring the rain. So he goes back and he talk, tells Ahab what, what was going on. He says, hey, I'm fixing to bring the rain back, but first, this has to happen. I, I can't stand people worshiping a false god, and they, the people are worshiping Baal, not worshiping Yahweh, which is my God. And so I'm going to send. We're going to have a showdown, okay? So they do. So what happens is he. I'm just doing a brief paraphrase before we get to the meat, and I'll, you just need to know this before we get to the meat of the message. But so he. Elijah brings them in. All the, pro, all the false prophets of Baal, they come in. He said, Here's what we're going to do. If Baal is the, is the one true God, then he'll do this. And if my God is the one true God, then he'll do this. And whatever God fails means that they're false. So we're going we're to make a big altar, we're going to put, and we're going to sacrifice on it, and when whichever God is true, fire will come down from heaven and it will take the offering, talk, take the sacrifice up. So the, the people of Baal began to jump and holler and do all, cutting themselves and doing everything they could do to bring, try to bring down fire from heaven, but nothing happened. And Elijah walks up there and prays this simple little prayer, and fire comes down, burns it all up, and it proves that God is the one true God, that Jehovah is Jehovah, amen? And so this, miracle, this mighty thing happened, I mean, Elijah is all jacked up. He says, all right, we got to get rid of these. So he goes and he slays all the, the prophets of Baal. And he, man, he's on this spiritual high. He's up here on the mountain, man. And we see when you're on the mountain, most of the time you're on the mountain, you're not looking for nothing around, are you? Because you're on the mountain. There's nothing around. You're, you've made it to the top. When you're in the valley, usually you're always looking up because you got something that, you, that you're looking to get to this next level. You're trying to looking to get up. But once you made it to the top, It's very easy to get knocked down because you think you've arrived. You can't get no better than this, right? So Elijah's up here at the top. It was extreme spiritual high. And then you get to to chapter 19. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything he had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. By this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of mine. And I'm going to pause there. But so, I, I lo- what I love about Elijah is that how 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 he is a true human being. See, a lot of times we I, we we put. We idealize. We we raise up real high. We put people in the Scripture like, man, if I could just be have the faith of Moses, if I could just have this. And and what I love what, what God's Word says. In James, James says that, that Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that God would not that there would not rain. I'm sorry. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. James is trying to make us realize that, that Elijah, he's, he's no special superhuman, right? He's ordinary man just like we are ordinary. We can have the same power that Elijah has if we tap in to the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we can have that same power and that same passion if we're pursuing the same God with the same intensity. The reason we're, we're so doubtless and the reason we're so fruitless is a lot of times is we are not pressing in to the only life-giving stream that can give us life, that can give us intentionality, that can give us passion, that can show me what my, my, my desire should be, To show me what my purpose should be. We're not tapping into that because we're so full of everything else. So he's painting this picture of saying he's ordinary, okay? He's just like us. And you get to... Chapter 19 in 1 Kings where Jezebel sends his messenger to Elijah and it crushes him. He's undone this amazing thing. You would think that all of a sudden somebody comes hey, I'm going to kill you, and you just call down fire from heaven. What would you do? I know me. I'd be like, zap. <laughs> I'd be like, girl, you don't know who you're messing with. I just call down fire from heaven. You better slow your roll, okay? I'm fitting to call down fire. We're going to burn you up, your house up. I'm going to be king. Thank God I ain't God, right? Amen. Amen. But I mean, but, but in that moment, Elijah, one little bit of criticism, one little bit of talking smack, one little bit of that sent him down a rabbit hole of despair. How many of us have been on this mountaintop and one, somebody say one thing and all of a sudden it sends us crashing down? Somebody does one little thing and it comes crashing down. You know, what I love about this is that Jezebel was the queen, right? She was in the same province. They was in Jezreel. They was in the same place, right? She could have sent soldiers over there to kill him, okay? So if she wanted to kill him, she could have went and killed him. But instead, she wrote a note and sent it to him. Man, how deceptive the enemy is. She didn't want to kill him because if she killed him, that would, she would have, it would have made him a martyr and more people would have followed him. But see, if she could get into his head, if she could make him start doubting himself, if she could make him start being, let him start being discouraged, then he would quit on his own and people that were following him would see maybe that wasn't right. Maybe he is fake. Maybe we should go back to where we were because it wasn't right in him. See, that's how Satan works. That's how the enemy works. If he can get into your head and get you to quit, then he's winning. And there's so many people that allow God, allow Satan to to just get into their head, and they begin to want to quit. They begin to want to just stop instead of keep pushing through. And you have a mighty man of God that this happened to. And if this happened to Elijah, then we can, how do we think we can stand it? It happens to me. It's, It's happened to me to where... You know, you're walking with God, and somebody says the wrong thing, and the next thing you know, you go home, and it's like, I just need to quit this. I just need to stop this. I remember when I first started walking with God, I was, I was. We were hanging out with the with the same friends, and I just started getting that feeling like I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't hang out with these these folks anymore and walk with God in the same breath. And so as I started doing those things, it was hard, man. It was so hard to walk away from that. It was extremely hard. And I remember I crushed under the pressure one day. And one of my friends, he's like, see there? You're drinking beer just like I am. What makes that Jesus you say you're following real? Because it ain't real. Because look what you're doing. I felt that big. It crushed me. I came home. I was like, I might as well just quit. I might as well sell my Bible. I might as well get out and just stop even saying I know Jesus because I ain't portraying that. One little word crushed my spirit. One little word. And so you had this mighty man of God getting attacked. And then what happens in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the brush and fell asleep. You know, fear is is a liar, right? And it will make you believe things that are untrue about yourself. We talked about fear before, but another thing that fear does is fear promotes discouragement. And especially in the walk of a Christian, that is one of the things that rob us the most is discouragement. We won't continue to fight. We won't continue to walk because we're discouraged about these things. Instead of just pushing through, we just want to quit. We just want to stop because it's easier to stop than to keep pushing. And Elijah has seen God do amazing things. He has seen God heal. He has seen God save him. He has seen God deliver him. He has seen God bring him food. He's seen all these things, but then this one little word that was said. Now he's wanting to quit. See, discouragement, if you notice what happens, he's very discouraged in this, in, this, in this instance and it says he went a day's journey into the wilderness away from his servant. See, discouragement will isolate you. Discouragement will put you alone. And if you can be, as long as, and, and Satan loves that, the enemy loves that because if you're by yourself, then you'll allow the voices in your head to convince you of things. There's voices in your head. Are, you, you're you're nothing. You need to quit this. You need to stop this. And I'm not talking about just with your walk with God. I'm talking about in any aspect of your life. I don't know how many relationships I've talked to when when the when the wife. Or the husband, they're living in a relationship with a with spouse that doesn't know Jesus, and they've been fighting, they've been praying, they've been seeking God for years and years and years, but yet God hasn't answered their prayer yet, and it seems like their spouse just keeps getting worse, and they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I just need to quit. I need to get out of this marriage and find me a man that loves Jesus. I need to quit this marriage and find me a woman that loves Jesus. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've been there. This isn't working. I've been praying. This isn't working. What am I, God, what is going on? And then finally it was like, you know, I just need to quit. I just need to stop. I need to stop working on my marriage. I need to stop praying for my spouse because evidently it ain't working. Next thing, I found myself alone. I pushed my spouse away. I pushed my friends away. I pushed everyone away. I'm right here by myself just having myself a little pity party. Woe is me. Look at all this stuff. Discouragement will put you by yourself. See, when you find yourself alone and now all you're doing is consumed with the thoughts of all the wrongs that's happened to you, all the things, all the could have been, should have been, that's when you need to realize, I need to step out of this. I need to get in, in in some friends. I need to get with some accountability. I need to get in connect group. I need to get with some like-minded people that can talk some sense into this craziness that I'm walking in. So that's the first thing when I read, read that, that, it's just it isolates you it, it makes you not want to fight anymore so we have to fight to follow Christ amen it's every day it's a fight you have desire to desire to, to fight against everything else in order to pursue Jesus and honor him and, and what happens when you're discouraged you lose your fight they're, they're not worth it anymore how many of you have said that about somebody they're too far gone for Jesus I haven't shared the gospel with them so many times. I'm going to quit because, you know what, they ain't listening. I'm just going to stop. You're discouraged because, and you stop sharing the gospel. You stop being the, the disciple God's called you to be because you're all up in your feelings because they're not listening to you. And a lot of times when we get right there at that moment where we're so discouraged, we're so, we feel so defeated, you're right there on the brink of something big happening. It's almost on the the brink of a breakthrough in that that sense, that God's fixing to do something big, so Satan's trying to discourage you as much as possible so that you won't see the victory, because he knows when you see the victory, oh, it's on. You know what I'm saying? I remember, I remember, I can remember praying for things and and, and attacks coming and and, and me wanting to stop, wanting to quit. And then the next day, something big happens. And you know what? It's like, any of y'all, any of y'all know what, what racing? You know, any of my racing buddies, you know what racing, drag racing? Anybody, any drag racing people in here? Oh, all right, I got two. Y'all, two people going to relate to this story. But it's just like, man, you, you got a car, and, and you put nitrous oxide on it, and you've been driving on normal gas, and all of a sudden, you're you riding along, and, and, and you feel like, this is fast as I'm going to go. And then you hit that button, and it's game on, baby wheels off the ground. You know what I'm saying? That's a sweet smell. Anyway, it's, just, it's crazy, but that's how it is when you, when you keep pursuing, you keep pushing through, you keep your head down, and trusting God, even in the, the most discouraging moments, even when you feel defeated, you keep your head down, resting in the promises of God, and when he comes through, it pushes you to a new level of faith. It pushes you to a new level of confidence in God, and that's why so many people don't experience that because they just quit when it gets hard. And if we would stop quitting and keep on pursuing, we would see God do so much in our lives. It would bust the, the seams off of it. But yet we just, we get so in our feelings and so it's about me and this don't feel right and this is uncomfortable and, and oh me, oh woe is me. And we sit back and complain. I'm like, I remember so many times me praying. I mean, I was like a little two-year-old two kid taddling God, you know what they did. You know what so-and-so said. You know they lied. Why ain't you doing nothing? Why don't you cap? Well, I mean, <laughs> this is probably wrong, but God, you know that they're lying. Let their teeth fall out for people know they're a liar. I prayed that one time. <laughs> Lord, let, let their tongue fall off for they won't talk no more. God, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm praying judgment on people because I'm in my feelings because it's about me, you know? Oh, woe is me. Instead of praying for the people that are persecuting us, right? So so he finds himself isolated. He finds himself, like, emotionally stressed. See, when you're discouraged, your emotions are all over the place. Highs and lows. How many of us feel like our lives are on an emotional roller coaster? Monday, boy, it's good. Tuesday, you better watch out. Wednesday, I'm about halfway there. Thursday, I'm back down. It's like the, the crazy train. And so many of us are riding it every day because we're allowing our emotions to dictate what we do. I feel this. I feel that way. I feel, I feel, I feel. And we need to stop saying I feel and stop saying I know God's word says this. It's okay to feel. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay for those things to happen. But when the moment that happens, you got to take those thoughts captive and bring it to the Word of God and say, Satan, you're a liar. Fear, you're a liar. Discouragement, you're a liar. And I am following Jesus, and I'm walking with God. And take those thoughts captive and stop allowing them to dictate your life. And so my man, Elijah, didn't let that happen. He was discouraged so much where he was willing to quit. He said, take my life. He was to the place of utter, he was almost in depression, hit discouragement, he went to depression. How many of us are like that? How many of us have have allowed our life to cause us so much pain to where we're not looking at Jesus, we're just looking at the pain in our life? And and we're not looking at the purpose God's given us. See, we don't go to work with with purpose and with passion, with showing the showing our co-workers Jesus because we're so mad at the offense they did two weeks ago, we can't get over it. We're not going with, with a purpose. We're, we're discouraged because, God, I've been at this dead-end job for five and a half years, and nobody wants, nobody wants to talk to me because they think I'm a Jesus freak. Nobody wants to have anything to do with me because I've told them about Christ. God, God, why, why am I here? What's going on? We're discouraged about that. God, I'm in this relationship, but nothing's happening. I'm sitting here, and I might as well just quit. I might as well find me somebody else. You know what happens when you find somebody else? That other somebody does the same thing, and then you try to find somebody else. Then you try to find somebody else. Then you try to, you know what I'm saying? I I talked to a lady not too long ago. We were talking about some things, and uh, she said she had been married. I'm not going to tell you how how many times she had been married, but it was a lot. And my face told on me because when she told me, I went, (laughs) I didn't mean to. It was just like she she didn't set me up for it or nothing. You know, she didn't say just, I know it's going to be a lot, so just be ready. She didn't say that. She just threw the number, and I was like, what? And I was like, why are you think you've been married so many times? And she was like, I don't know. I just feel unfulfilled. I said, well, I think the thing is is you're looking for fulfillment in the wrong place. Purpose and the wrong people. And until you get fulfillment in Christ, every man you meet is going to upset you. and They're not going to meet your qualifications. And so, so many times we filter people through our own things. And when it don't work out, we're discouraged thinking that we will never find the right mate. We'll, our mate will never, ever love Jesus like we do. And so, we quit on loving them like Christ. We quit on pursuing them like Jesus because we just, we're discouraged about it. Discouragement will keep you from fulfilling the purpose God's given you. Discouragement will keep you from pushing into God. And it will rob you of the blessing that God is, he gives us when we reach the other side. Y'all tracking with me this morning? Y'all been leaving. Y'all, y'all, y'all lost y'all shout the last two weeks, okay? And, and I'm kind of worried about you. Y'all with me? All right, all right. And so what happened to him is my man, Elijah, was ready to die. And then all at once, the verse says... All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and then he laid down again. And the angel said, the angel came back a second time and touched him, and he said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and he strengthened by the food, and he traveled Forty days and forty nights until he reached Hebron, the mountain of God. And there he went into the cave and spent the night. See, when I read this, something just jumped out at me that I didn't plan on, but we're going to go with it, okay? It says, he tells him a second time, get up and eat. He says, so the journey is too much for you. See, there's a lot of us that are struggling and we don't we don't have the we don't have the faith to continue. We don't have the desire to continue. We, we, got, we got a little bit of Christ and we think we can make it to the end. Oh, I'm saved. I'm born again. I read my Bible. I go to church. But you don't, you're you're not walking as Jesus walked throughout the week. You're not, you're, not, you're not being filled with the Spirit every day. The journey is going to be is a long journey to, to when we meet Christ, amen, to when we die. It's a long journey. And you think this little bit you got here at the beginning is going to last you to the end. And see, the thing is, you got to get up and eat every day. You got to get up and pursue God every day to make it to the end. And if the reason we're discouraged and we want to quit so much is because we are okay with the little bit of Jesus we got right now. And then we condemn God. Oh, I just don't feel it like I used to. God, I mean, I don't, I don't, feel, I, I don't feel God like I used to. But yet we haven't got up and ate. And what I love about this is that Jesus, that God, God came. God came to him twice when he was not interested, when he didn't care. He wanted to die, and he came to him twice. Do you see the grace of God in this, that God comes to us even though sometimes we don't want Him to? That's why it's so important that we listen to the Holy Spirit and we do what He says. And so He's at this moment where He says, get up and eat. The journey's too far from you. And that's what I want to tell you guys today. Maybe maybe the reason you're discouraged is because you had not been eating the Word of God. Maybe it's because you ain't been spending time with Christ. And you're you're dry. You're, You're dead inside. You're discouraged. You want to quit because you're not pursuing Christ. You're pursuing what you want out of it. And until you truly surrender and you truly want his word, you want him more than you want that next breath, more than you want that next meal, you will continually want to quit. You will continually be not satisfied, and you will continually not accomplish the purpose that God has for your life. And until you get up, see, that takes action. He didn't pull him up. He didn't stand him up. You got to want to get up. He said, get up. And eat. Are you willing to get up today? Are you willing to stand up and say, you know what? The reason I'm discouraged is because I have not been plugged into the true vine. What does Jesus say in John? I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will have much fruit. But apart from me, you can bear nothing. And a lot of the reasons why our lives does not look like Christ, when people in our communities cannot see a difference in me than Joe Blow on the street corner that don't know Christ. when They don't see that because we're not abiding in him. We haven't got up and ate. We haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We might have got up and raised our hand. We might have got up and, and, and read our Bible. But have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? When I get up in the morning and I read God's Word and I meet with Jesus, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I have a different passion that day. I got a different direction that day. I got a different focus that day because my mind is on Christ, not on my circumstances, not on my emotions, not on my situation. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on this morning, but I'm just going to tell you, if ain't nobody getting none out of God, God's dealing with me. But that's the thing, like... I don't care what else I got wrote down in the Bible. That's where it's at. That's where it's at, right there. Until you get up, you will continue to feel defeated. Until you get up and eat, nothing's going to change in your life. Until you get up and follow Christ, you will continue to feel dead, abandoned, and abused. Nothing will ever change in your life until you get up and taste and see. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being dry. I'm sick and tired of of just not feeling God some days. And you know why? It's because he hasn't moved. I have. He's wanting work. He said, Jeremy, I want you to go do this. I got this for you. I want you to come spend time with me. And I'm like, I don't have time, God. I'm tired. And I lay down like Isaiah did. And God's coming to me in the morning, and he's shaking me. He's like, get up, Jeremy, get up. Get up, read, read 412 and eat with me, dine with me. And I'm like, I'm so dry, I'm so depleted because I haven't spent time with God all week. I read a little bit and I'm like, uh, I just want to go back to bed. That didn't do it. See, some of us are so dry, it's going to take more than one meal to wake you up. I tell you what, I, I, my body is, I mean... It's crazy how my body works because I can eat up some food in a heartbeat. And, and we went on a, me and Chad and, and Dallas and Rick went on a hiking trip, and we were hiking, and, and I didn't know how much food I was going to take, you know, needed. I didn't, Chad told me, you're you going to burn some calories, okay? So you need So, okay, I, I had my backpack. Then he told me that, I, you know, I need to make sure it was under a certain weight and all this. So I'm like, all right, I got 700 pounds of food in my backpack. How am I going to make it down this mountain trail? Mountain trail. So I started taking stuff out of my backpack the night before. You know the first thing I took out? My food. Stupid. But I took my food out. I said, all right, I'm rationing myself. One can of hyenas, one thing of ramen noodles, and one bar. That's all you're going to need. You're going to make it on that because you've got to have a sleeping bag and you got to have something soft to sleep on. Man, that's, what, the second day? I, I was out of food. Done. Done. We have one more day to go. I'm going to die out here. Look over there, and Chad, Chad's like, you, you eat your food? I was like, yeah, you, you, you ain't got none. You got any over there? I ate everything else that Chad, Rick, and Dallas had on the rest of the journey. Thank God for them. If not, I, I would, we would have never planted a church. I would have died up there in the, in the mountains. Starvation. What I'm saying is a lot of times our priorities are jacked up. And so for the day, we don't pack what we need to pack. Oh, yeah, we get our clothes on. We get we get it we get everything ready to go to work we get mentally ready to go face what we got to face but we forget one thing we don't feed on the word of God and by lunchtime we're just slapped hungry we're slapping we can't walk anymore we're so tired we don't want to fight anymore you know why because we haven't been feeding on the thing that's going to give us life we're not going to be feeding on the thing that's going to give me energy to continue on it's because I'm, I'm I got my priorities jacked up I got the wrong things that I got circled up I, you know I'm I think I'm following Christ but yet I haven't read the word at all how about you? What you feasting on? What are you, what are you feasting on? What are you walking? When you get up in the morning, what do you eat on? Because that's what's, gonna, that's, that's what's changed discouragement in my life. When I was discouraged wanting to quit ministry, a year and a half ago, I was fixing to quit. I remember talking to Chad, and Chad was like, you can't quit. Don't quit. Don't, I ain't going to let you quit. That's what accountability looks like, thank God. But I was ready to stop. I was, I was ready to give up. Because it was so hard. You know why? Because I had got to a point in my life where I thought I had only needed God in the morning. I had my little quiet time with God in the morning. That's all I needed. And by lunchtime, lunchtime I'd be devastated. Lunchtime I'd go to town and I'd see somebody and they would say, I don't agree with what you're doing. This place has got enough Churches. I don't understand why you got to do that. You're causing division in the community. And if they just knew that only by the grace of God I didn't jump up and drop kick them. I was built, I had so much anger. I had so much animosity. The community that I loved, Satan had turned it into hate. And I'd almost said, God, this ain't worth it anymore. This ain't worth it anymore. I've, I've got so much gray hair in my head because of worrying instead of giving it to God. Until one day, God just woke me up and he said, Jeremy, you're not going to make it by yourself. And you've allowed all this stuff around you to put you—you put yourself on an island. And you're over here by yourself. And you're trying to survive by yourself. And all I want you to do is get up in the morning and eat. Why don't you get up in the morning and spend time? Why don't you get up in the Let me fight your battles for you. You stop trying to do it on your own. And when I started doing that, when I started being intentional, when I started giving God my problems every morning, every afternoon, let me tell you what happened. My perspective changed. My my desire changed. The people that I was bad at and wanted to drop kick, I started praying for. It's hard to be mad at people you're praying for, amen? Everything changed. when my perspective changed because my priorities changed. And all that was hooked what I was eating on what I was feasting on what I was so I'm telling you today church the charge to you is are you getting up in the morning are you getting up in the evening are you getting up at all and are you feasting on the word of God? are you feasting on God is he your substance is he what gives you life is he what gives you energy is he what gives you passion because if you can't answer yes then it's no and you're living a life full of yourself you're living a life empty and you're living a life of deadness. Masked by religion, masked by church attendance. And we talk about religion a lot. And and, and I hate religion. I love Jesus. And so many people have a religious affiliation and not a life-changing relationship with Christ. So if you found yourself today, when you got here discouraged about your walk with God, you you got contempt in your heart for your brothers that, that... you're at work and you, you you think about, why am I here? You get up in the morning and it's like, why am I continuing? What, what do I need to keep doing? Why? This is pointless. Maybe you're at a place, with, even with your walk with God, to where it's been so dry for so long, you're like, I don't know what else I need to do. I might as well just quit. I might as well go back to the old lifestyle because that was easy. If that's you today, maybe you need to come to this altar and give it, and and, and lay your burdens down. But But maybe today you're that man or you're that woman that you've never truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You've never really surrendered your life to God. Y'all with me? I'm going to make this. Sometimes I think that, that that people don't understand when I say this. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've, never, if you've never really given Him your trust, if you've never truly surrendered, I ain't saying that you said I surrender all. I ain't saying that you prayed a sinner's prayer. But you've given Him your life, and there's been a life-changing transformation that began to take place. If that has never happened to you, and you want to experience that life-changing power, that salvation of Jesus Christ, I want you to challenge you to raise your hand and say, that's what I want today. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give Him my life. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody? So now I'm going to be real with you. Some of you are like, I thought you were just as real as it gets. No, I'm going to get real, real with you. This life is not a game, right? We don't get a do-over. We don't get a restart, right? We got one shot. That's it. So when I die and I go to heaven, I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So what is he going to say to you? When you die, Is he going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or is he going to say, I don't know you? What is he going to say to you today? So today's the day. Discouraged, why are you wanting to quit? Why, why don't you why haven't you experienced the walk with God that I'm talking about? Why why what's holding you back from those things? Because this is not it. Church service is not it. It's waking up in the morning and walking with God. It's waking up in the morning and, and experiencing Him all day long. Man, it's nothing more exciting than going to a store and God saying, Pray for that lady right there. She's struggling, got issues at her house. Y'all look at me crazy, but I'm telling you, it happens. And when that happens, and you're like, all right, God, and you pray for that lady, and she's on the end of her rope, ready to give up everything, and then you speak into her life because God spoke to you because you've been eating on the Word of God, and you got, you're got, plugged into the vine, and He's using you, and then she, because of what God's doing in you, says, there's something real to this. I can't quit today. i got to keep going. There's power in that. And you won't ever experience that just showing up and going to church and just doing the routine until you truly surrender it and give it to him. So what's keeping you from getting up and eating? What's keeping you from being filled? What's keeping you from being used by God? Because unless you surrender, you'll constantly be empty. You'll constantly be discouraged. You'll constantly want to quit. And you'll constantly be pursuing things that don't matter. So I'm going to pray, the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to play a song, and y'all do what God's telling you to do. If you need special prayer, I'll be down here. But let's do the work that God's telling us to do. Father God, I pray right now. I pray against pride. I pray against selfishness in the name of Jesus. I pray against, Lord, what people think. Of themselves, God, I pray against anything, God, that's holding them in that seat. And I pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way. God, you're a God that pursues us. You're a God that reconciles us. You're a God that heals us. But, God, we got to take that step. We got to get up. We got to take that first initiative, God. So, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us the, the push we need, God. That you would give us that first push to get up. You give us that first push to step out. God, move in us today. God, let I pray in our spirit will be in such turmoil that we would not sit still until we've met with you today. So God, we ask you to move. God, we ask you to change. We ask you to deliver us, God. And I thank you for being a God that comes to us in our infirmity. We thank you, God, for coming, never giving up on us. And God, I thank you for speaking through the lives of someone so powerful as Elijah, that he was used by you in such a mighty way, but because he took his eyes off of what was important, he began to want to throw it all in the trash. So God, to the man or woman in here, God, that's ready to quit, God, I pray that you would move on them today. To the man and woman that's looked at their neighbor or their brother or their sister, or maybe they're even mom and dad, and said, you know what, they're too far gone. God, I pray that you would take that discouragement, and put it into joy, and they would, when they pray for those people, that they would see their salvation. God, we ask you to do amazing things here. We ask you to do amazing things in us. In Jesus' name, we